Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome along to season three, episode ten of the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. My name is John Cassidy, and with me, as always, is Mr. Stephen Watt. How are you doing, Stephen? I am okay, John. I am okay. We're officially now in taper time for Lakeland 50, aren't we? We are indeed. We are what, less than two weeks away for the, the big day that we've, the delayed big day, because it was meant to be this time last year that we were running it. So it's been mm. about 18 months in the making. Right. And you know what, there's been, there's actually been quite a lot happened in that last year, both life-wise and also running-wise. Um, we're both taking part in a number of virtual challenges. Both had relatively, well, for me, decent training this year, building up to this. I'm a wee bit concerned. I'm saying a wee bit concerned. That's part of my taper time, my concernedness, if that's even a word. I always, I get it. Yeah, I always start to doubt and um, have I done enough, all that sort of stuff. But we can, we'll, we'll, we'll speak about that. Um, yesterday, I officially entered my taper time by going for a walk. I'm not going to even be thinking. I might do a wee jog between now and the 24th. We should say we're recording this. We're chatting on the 13th of July. So we're 11 days out from yeah. race day. Yeah. Um, so I did a, my last run was on Saturday. I ran for 19.67 miles. It was as muggy as hell. That's a concern, the mugginess and how we cope with that. Because I think, well, we mentioned before, we're speaking about weather and concerns about weather. Um, it's only going one way just now, and that's up, the temperature. So um, what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts on tree, taper or muggy or a bit of beef. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. So yeah, I also ran on Saturday, my last sort of bigger run, but it was 16 miles. I ran to Perth to get my vaccine, my second vaccine, which I wanted to get my miles in beforehand because the last time I had a, a vaccine, the first thing was, wasn't good afterwards. Mm-hmm. So um, I ran to Perth, got my long run in to the vaccine centre, got my vaccine, but no reaction whatsoever this time, just like the thing. But I couldn't bank on that. So nah, uh, that's awesome. Uh, that's good. So, yeah, that was that was that. So um, that kind of signified that yeah, they start a taper. Although I, I like to think about it as a bit of a bookend, a training block. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes if I if I taper, if I take the foot off the gas too much, then I start feeling really lethargic and um, a bit less able weirdly so um although i'll be tapering and lowering intensity and and miles um i'll still be doing stuff just to keep keep feeling peppy ah what does stuff mean give me more info on that stuff i'll just probably just be doing miles but just at a a lower tempo and Mm. no and like that's a great idea i went for a walk this morning as well just instead of a run just to you know, get steps in and what have you. So yeah, I'm also going away on holiday with the family this week. So yeah, I'll just have to carve it around that, and and that's cool. Um, so mm-hmm. that almost forced me to deaccelerate. I think there you go, deaccelerate ah. in, into it. See, I bring in words like concernedness 
when you bring in DSL, that's a difference. That's a difference. And what about the weather then? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, we've discussed it, but your thoughts on the weather building up to Lakeland? Weirdly, it's a lot of the training for this block. The, the the temperature kind of has increased, and the mugginess has increased. You know, for about the last six eight weeks. So I'm hoping that that adjustment. Because I remember when it it's, when it got warmer, so it, you know, it went to twenty degrees instead of you know fourteen degrees, and that's in Scotland warm and muggy. <laughs> um, <laughs> The first run that you're doing it, it's almost like, that. oh, it's great energy sapping. And it, it still is energy sapping. But again, your your body, I think, adapts to it and gets used to it. So there's a wee bit of that going on, providing it's no, some of the forecasts are, are for the temperatures to get into the mid-20s, high-20s. I think then it becomes a, you know, a concern. And then if that's the case, it's just a, let's adjust expectations accordingly. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. So say there's 500 people running it. And I usually come 250th, like like <laughs> Devin last week, bang in the middle. So, yeah. and I wanted to do it in 11 hours, right? But then it was hot. So I'll say, right, okay, well, let's do it in 12 and a half hours. I'd likely still finish 250th. That's right, yeah, because that heat affects everybody, doesn't that's it? Right. Some, it'll affect others. Well, I suppose that's part of your how your your race day pans out and it's about being aware that it's hot yep. taking, on a, taking on a wee bit more liquid remember to pee regularly look at well. we, we talk about 20 21 22 degrees starting to get a bit melty <laughs> that's ridiculous and then we've got beth pascal's just done at western states now she was um, the, she was the born and brought up at um you know running in yep. those temperatures and yet she's been able to adapt and cope and stuff so that you know, I know that she is a, a pro athlete now, almost verging on. So um, she, she's got a lot of stuff in her locker. But you can take that as a wee bit of, oh, well, if Beth mm-hmm. can do it, we can do it, John. Exactly, exactly. Don't, <laughs> there's a couple of wee slight wee differences is that she's a fucking good runner. <laughs> <laughs> and she's Beth also had the opportunity to go and acclimatise, didn't she? Yeah. You know, and but she used that, obviously. 100% that time was well invested so still yeah, blows my yeah. mind that still blows my mind that phenomenal result that she did brilliant great oh, amazing. great runner um now tapering we the main bit of this episode coming up is we spoke with Connor Grady who I never knew Connor before but Connor works for a brewery called Top Out Brewery and there's been a wee bit of Insta chat. There's me getting down with the kids here. Insta yep. chat. Um, there's been a wee bit of Insta chat between Top Out Brewery and ourselves. So Connor very kindly agreed to come on, and I was a, I was quite amazed and astounded at what Connor's running history was. I wasn't wasn't quite expecting that, but that's coming up. But one of the things that Connor spoke about was learning as you go. Connor's got quite a more of a hill hill running background but we spoke about the wee things that you learn from things and one of the things that I've learned is about tapering I'd never I hadn't heard about tapering before I started running right I thought you run 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 gets to race day go and leather it and then somebody mentioned tapering I was like what's that all about but it's having that wee rest whether that's 10 days two weeks rest between your training block finishing and actual race day and then I also learned that 
tapering doesn't mean stopping, you know. So where I am right now, I'm sitting my highest mileage ever for where we are in July. I'm currently sitting at 832 miles. So my wee target in my head, or my wee thing in my head is, I'm going to do another 18 miles between now and before we leave for the lakes, and that will take me to 850. Hopefully, when I complete Lakeland 50, that puts me over the 900. You know, I might get lost and it might be 902. Who knows? Well, it might well be. or that, that You'll definitely finish, so I don't care about any doubts in your head, okay? Unless there's a travesty of oh. your control, um, you'll yeah. finish. So that's cool. But I think it's good just having these little motivational mm-hmm. things going on in your head. Do you know, that, that say, like, you're standing that start line at 850 miles for the year. And exactly, yeah. When you cross the finish line, you'll be at 900. And that's that's a, a, a milestone reached, and, and that's another little target. So it's a, a nice wee... It's good to have these little burning desires. Aye, no, definitely. And that's cool. Exactly where I was going with that sort of line of thinking. And that 18 miles, that allows me to then say, right, go and do three miles, do a five mile jog or a run, whatever. Or I might bank them and maybe go and do a couple of longer runs towards the, the end of the week. So, um, but yeah, it's the first it's the first time I've sort of been in this position. So we mentioned this before, too. First time I've never got a recce foot on the course, man. You know that? Anyway, that we're going to keep it positive. Me, no, that keep does that does annoy me. Annoy is the wrong word. Um, it's a little bit of a disappointment that we've not mm. managed to get down and get our foot on the route. I like to get my foot on the route. Um, but I'm taking it as a positive in terms of, oh, well, I'll discover new things whether they're good or bad, um, that's all, it's all good. I tell you who'll be glad when it's all finished. Jodie Laird, because I'll stop messaging and ask her about the route. <laughs> Jodie, Jodie's um, a, a seasoned listener to Young Hearts Run Free, and, um, and if you're listening, Jodie, good luck on your own personal 100 coming up. But yeah, John has been tapping her on the shoulder, I think, a fair bit, of just asking, asking. Right. you know when you're in a... Um, a facilitated session, maybe if you've been in a work training course or something like that, and the the facilitator often say, there's no such thing as a silly question. It's a safe (laughs) place to ask daft questions. Well, John has been taking that to the nth degree. Yeah, I'm your man. I'm your man for the silly question. He he said to me before we came on the podcast that he messaged Jodie and asked her if it, what the temperatures happened during the night. Keep in mind, the Lake District's probably about 150 miles as the crow flies away from where we live. <laughs> I guess pretty much the same as what happens up here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but when you wake up at half four in the morning, man, and you start thinking about that, you need an answer. So even if Jodie's tell me, and she, you know what, she's been very diplomatic and very kind with her answer. She's probably going, check this idiot out. You I know, know but George's like, I think he's going to the, like the Pyrenees or something like that. It's a different sort of microclimate. But anyway, it does. You need. You sometimes do just need to get confirmation. You scratch the itch. I get that. Aye, that's cool. So, aye, it's all building up. And on that as well, we don't plan to put an episode out next week because we are 100% focused. Yep. We take this shit serious, man. We do. We might come across as all jokey, jokey, laughy, laughy. But, you know, when the... When the, the gun goes, we are 
in the zone. So if you see John and I at the lakes and you happen to recognise us or anything like that, don't expect us to hear any crack with you because we will be absolutely 100% focused. Blinkered, I think is the word to say. I'll be looking right through folk. Well, aye. John, John will be blinkered by the drop bag. You know, the, the, the aid station contents. And I Do must not say... get in his way. Do not get in his way. <laughs> I must say as well, thank you to everybody who responded to the Twitter poll about the, the haircut. So I'm booked in for next Thursday, next Thursday lunchtime. I'm going to Badlands and uh, it will be my weekend Mohican as uh, voted for by the listeners. So we'll get some photo evidence of that at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and in all honesty, if you do see John and I at the lakes, please say hello to us. It would be majestic to to speak to anybody who has listened to our podcast for even one minute. It would be brilliant. Aye, definitely. Come up and say hello. And uh, you never know, you might get a key ring or a magnet. Play <laughs> <laughs> your cards, right? <laughs> OK, listen, I think it's, we've probably chatted long enough here, haven't we? Just uh, we give a wee update on where we are with our thinking and what's happening with the, the Lakeland um, preparation. Yeah. But we'll get we'll cut to the chase and we'll get Connor on. Um, as I just spoke about a wee bit, Connor has a very rich history of hill racing and races and some awesome experience, yeah. some great tips. There's a there's a definite good wee chat about beer because that's his job. He's a brewer. Yeah, and and the the, the brewer. The brewery itself has got a, a, a running passion yeah. in, in its DNA. Aye, 100%, 100%. And there's some, you know what, it's worth going and checking them out. We'll put the links in the show notes to them all. Yeah. What they do is quite bespoke to Scotland and to mountains. And yeah. um, it's brilliant. So enjoy Steve and I's chat with Connor. This is us until Post Lakes. Oh, yes. Um, so we'll look forward to coming back and telling you all about it. Yeah, yeah, you can look forward to that one. But let's go for welcoming to Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Connor, coming up next. Welcome along to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Connor. Hello. Thank you for having me, guys. No trouble at all. You are here for the half century. Woohoo. This is a big deal. John, we never thought we'd reach the half century, but here we are. Five zero, man, it's unbelievable. Um, we thought with only maybe day five, <laughs> and here we are, ten times that. So yeah, it's brilliant, and it's great to have Connor along as well, um, to chat about a number of things. One of them will be running. Yeah, we'll touch on running, but we'll veer towards other things as we do. As the listeners know, we can sometimes be guilty of. Yeah, but anyway, I'm going to celebrate the. 50th episode of Young Hearts Run Free with a beer. How convenient of you. Look at that. It just so happened that I had a beer just sat here and it's nice and chilled. So <laughs> so that's good. So we'll get to that later. But I'm off on holiday, John, so I can do what I want. You can do that on a well, so no school night for you because it's school holidays, isn't it? So exactly, you can exactly. crack in. I've got a nice wee cup of tea. Thinking about the topic of running first before we touch on the more exciting stuff. Do you run? Uh, yes, I guess I do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Sorry, lads. Cheers. Good night. Um, no, I do. I do run. Um, I'm based in Edinburgh, uh, and I'm very, very lucky. I have the Pentlands uh, just on my doorstep, and it's also very close to where I work as well. So, I kind of I ran in school, like cross country and stuff, but you know, I wasn't you know 
competitive or wasn't really that interested i just enjoyed sort of a challenge and had a wee bit of a i actually quite a big head and, and quite an ego as well i'd say so um it's not come back to bite me yet but i'm sure it will do at some point in life but uh, yeah so i just kind of enjoyed the competitive nature i guess and it didn't matter if that was running or any kind of sporting thing kind of went through the motions with football and kickboxing and um yeah uh, all that sort of stuff so but the the running the kind of it's become a daily thing almost over the last uh, i'd say six years since i first moved to edinburgh um i worked for an outdoor company and um it was based at the bottom of the pentlands and i was like bloody hell you know people must run up there that's crazy and, and one of the lads who you know grew up there running says i will we'll go away and run one day and we went to Flotterstone and we did Turnhouse, Carnethy, Scored Law, and then back down to the Reservoir and down. And I just thought, oh my God, like we did, I don't know, I think it was like a 13K loop. I think we did it in like an hour and a half or something. Like after work, I was like, this is, this is wild. Like I've, I've run over three hills in an hour and, you know, I feel great. And it was just euphoric. And that was really where it really sort of started. So it was a, a friend of mine, um, Andy Wilson, who's become yeah, a very, very good friend of mine now, who has unfortunately uh, ran off to Tasmania and is living the life of Riley over there. Listen, it's not the Pentlands, to be fair. It's not the Pentlands. He's missing the cows. I know for a fact he's missing the cows up the Pentlands and getting chased by them. There is a famous herd of cows up in the Pentlands, isn't there, that's, um, that rampages through walkers and runners. Yeah, it's I we were charged once and Andy, because he's very fast, ran away and then I realized I was there on my own. So I I just kind of dove over the fence next to me. But as I dove over the fence to escape the cow, my hand stopped on the fence and I kept going. Um luckily Andy's dad is a doctor, so when I stumbled back through his door, he's like, oh, I'll be fine, come here. And I didn't see what he was doing until it started to hurt, and I realized he basically just opened a bottle of TCP and poured it down my arm. Can I come shot. in? I never knew about the. I don't know, and I would like to know about the Pentland cows. If it sounds like it's a famous thing, but before we get there, I, running am, club. I am. I'm shit scared of animals. I don't even like zoos, right? And just a couple of weeks ago, for the first time up Moncrief Hill, Stephen, you know Moncrief Hill, and Connor, you've said you've been in Perth too. You yeah. may know yeah. Moncrief Hill. I was coming from Moncrief Hill down towards the, I was, I don't know if it's the Rhine or the Rhine Road. Yep. Between the two points, there is a farm. And yep. when you when you come down through the farm, there's normally sheep in the field. And I'm cool with sheep, right? Because they, they run away from me. But this time, there was cows in the field. Now, I could either go through the field or I could add on three and a half miles or something to my run. So I thought, I'm going through the field. But I tell you, I was maybe, say I had 300 metres to go. I was 100 metres into that before I actually realised, okay, I'm now really terrified, right? So I'm thinking, just don't look at the cows. Just don't look at them. Look straight ahead, but they're cornering my eye. And of <laughs> course, cows get kind of curious, eh? And they can smell the fear, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, if I get halfway, I can then bolt for it. Now, I'm not even a fast bolter, right? A cow would catch me and they bother. But man, my heart was nearly coming through my bloody chest. And then mm. Stephen and I, you might know, you might not know, Connor, we're going down the lakes and seemingly there's cows in the bits of the lakes as well. So tell me, somebody tell me about the Pentlands cows. Is this a famous thing? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think it is. It's, it's famous, but probably for the wrong reasons. Um, I think probably the most 
I had one that kind of caught the attention of the mainstream a couple of months ago was um I think it was the president maybe of the Carnethy Hill Running Club. He was out running. I think I've got these facts right. People might chime in and tell me wrong, but I, I believe he was running on Turnhouse, which is the hill you next to Flotterston sort of car park and stuff. He was running there, and there he basically got sat on by a cow. And luckily, he was running with his mates, and I think they managed to sort of get the cow off him. But I think it was quite a quite a scary moment, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't want a cow mounting me for any reason. So. Um, and it's, it's it's amazing how quick you can run when you have to. So um, yeah, so that kind of caught mainstream attention. Well, not mainstream, but you know, caught caught I think the more slightly wider public eye. Um, but that's the thing, people people in the, who run in the Pentlands, you know, when they see the cows, I do anyway. I stop and I just walk through them. Like, yeah. but you keep your eye out, and that's about it. And I was up, I don't know, maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, I was up the top of Carnethy because there's a, there's a big coal between Carnethy and Alamur, which is the, the ski centre that you see from the bypass. Yep. There's a big coal there where they normally just like to sit out the wind. And I saw them and I thought, right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to walk right past them or I'll even walk all the way around them or hop the fence and walk around. And of course, there's tourists there in their jeans and their Nike trainers walking up to these cows like really, really close and getting selfies with them. And part part of me is like, oh, I really wish that cow would move right now. Like, <laughs> I love to see you try and tank down the side of the hill in your Nikes. But yeah, no, it is it is terrifying. And I've done a few races where, like the Ori, you know, like the Om or something like that, where you're doing orienteering and you're looking at your map, and then you realise there's a cow in front of you, and you you know you almost drop your shorts. So uh, yeah. they can shift as well when they get going. They can shift. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could outrun them. Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you take to be pretty speedy. I'm sure there's a fact, or maybe I dreamt it. There's a lot of people on average over the course of a year get hurt by cows stampeding, you know? Yeah, so, yeah I think I, I saw something similar. I think it's like what on average something like two people a year die or something due to cow related. Like say stampedes or pushing or something I don't know, but I I my only goal in life well I have two one is to make it to thirty and one is to not become a statistic so yeah hopefully yeah uh, I achieve I achieve both of them. Ed, we asked that question how do you, how about your own running and we quickly got on at the topic of cows but it's actually it, it's something that we should all be aware of and how to behave properly and Connor's just said about walking and no striking much interest with the cows and watch stuff on facebook that shows you how to behave around them and and, and appropriately and no getting between a mum and it's calf. young and yeah it's calf that's it calf that's a young cow. <laughs> a young cow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and stuff oh, but, but it is, it's an important message in there um, and, and there you go the carnefi hill runners club president or whatever it may be you know mm. i'm sure he would have been an experienced runner da 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 and and yet yeah. still you know, found himself in that precarious position. I think I think too, any any wildlife when they're when there's young about, they will protect them with their own life, you know. So you just got to be respectful too. It's their space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their space, I so be respectful. also know that, that John's a wee bit shite in it about, oh, about this part of the lakes where there's cows involved just because he's he's a city boy. He's a city boy. Ah, that's right. I'm a toonie. I'm a toonie. And also I, I remember on the West Highland Way there's a bit is it what's it called? Cowpoo Alley. Alley or something, aye. There's a yeah. bit there where the, the the farmer just lets his cattle roam 
And I don't know if it's a protest against people walking through the West Island there or whatever, but there is that bit. And by luck for me, every time I've been there, it's been quite sparse. The cattle uh-huh. have been, it's been quite clear. But um, yeah, it certainly puts a wind up me. And I've noticed as well, some of the people posting photographs doing reckeys on the Lakeland course, it's in the middle of the night, head torches, and like you see this big coo sitting there in the darkness. I'm like, see, if I see that, I'll fill my shorts. Never mind anything else. There you go. We'll see John drop a couple of seven-minute miles. It'll be good. <laughs> exactly, yeah. be good for the adrenaline. So, uh, yeah, so can we take it from that opening discussion that, that hills are your attraction for running rather than flats and tarmac? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. I don't run on the flat much, um, if if at all ever. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's that age old, like that cliche excuse of you know it hurts my knees or you know it's boring or you know I'm sick of dodging cars or something like that. But uh, yeah, it just it, it, it every, a mixture of everything. It doesn't it doesn't really do it for me, um, to be honest. So yeah, have, not. Have you ever Connor? Have you ever done like five k, ten k's, half marathon, something like that on the flat? Have you ever done that? I've I've done them in a training sense, so yeah. If, if like the coach says, right, I need you to go bang out a five or a ten or a half marathon, I need you to you know give it welly or something to to help me assess you or help me write out training plans. Then yeah, I'll, I'll grit my teeth and go do it, but I don't want to or I don't like it. But um, you know, I'd rather go do like a ten k, you know, hilly tempo run or something. But um, yeah, it can be a necessary evil. Um, I've got a few mates who are get hill runners because I I like running hills, but I wouldn't say I'm a good hill runner enjoy it but they're good hill runners but sometimes when I'm training with them or something like that and I force them to do you know a fast 5k on the flat it's like mm. them out that's them out of their comfort zone yeah 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 and absolutely it, 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 I, I quite like the fact that I'm average at everything that's not, bad, that's not a bad thing though that's... yeah, yeah I'm, like, I'm a bit of an all-rounder so mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like Ian Botham at the running world you know and and he was a good all-rounder, I believe. He mm. was. Uh, Stephen's selling himself short there. He's he's not blowing his own trumpet. Stephen's a very good runner. This is this is where you come in and yeah, make the sunshine, isn't it? I'm a, if Stephen's in both, I'm I'm Dicky Bird, right? <laughs> <laughs> Standing on one leg. <laughs> it's a, yeah, I like to say with the flats, and I um, I'm currently being coached at the minute. And I remember when I sat down and met my coach, and we had a coffee, and he said, "Like, what's your weakness?" And I said, those like flat sections between the hills, I says, that's just, phew, Christ, it, it does. It really just knackers me. I can, you know, like, like, like what you said, I'm by no means, you know, I'm not a Kyle Gregg. I'm not a Donnie Campbell. I'm not anything like that at all, you know, and they're, and they're amazing, inspiring people. And it's always fun to look at what they do and, you know, take a wee bit of something from it. But um, for me, it's, it's, it's not about that in a sense, but yeah, um, I, kind of average in terms of climbing ability or you know i think i'm a little bit stronger on a descent but yeah though it's like okay well there's like a 6k flat between that and the next section it's like ah jesus it takes all my mental capacity to just keep moving you know okay you started at a bottom of hill and you've usually you didn't hear much of a warm-up you're just like i just just get the just lace up and go and you know, have like a you know a six hundred foot climb or whatever, and then you batter down the other side. You know, and then you've maybe got that period between the next climb, mm-hmm. and you do that a few times, and you, you know your quads start to feel getting battered up. And when you hit the flat, 
your legs sometimes just go blah. Yeah, not happening today. Yeah, yeah, you know it's going to be a goodie or a baddie. It's amazing how we've all got, every single one of us on the planet, have all got a thing that we don't like. We, we, love, we love the sport, but there's, mm-hmm. a part, there's a part of it that we're no very keen on. And it's great, I think, that you've, you're speaking about that with a coach to try and change that. The, my big question, when you're talking about being a lover of the hills, mm. Ali Bevan recently posted a thing on Twitter about, is it the end of the bum bag? Because a lot, of, a lot of hull runners are now rocking up with race vests. Yeah. So hull runners, Stephen and I used to always speak about hull runners. Short shorts, wee bum bag, vest. Yes. Go for it. You know. So what's your, have you have you got comment you'd like to make on the race vest bum bag? After after let's say six years of kind of doing it regularly, I've only just started running in a singlet, but that's only because we've had nearly two months of like really warm weather um and you get cooked but i mean yeah you read yeah ali, ali beaven i mean i i also you know i follow him on the socials and you know when he when he says something you generally take note because he knows what he's talking about he's been there he's suffered through it all and you know he's he tells a good story so yeah that's it i mean you, you see you know joss naylor and and all these guys you know the proper runners the proper hardcore crew from you know back in the day um, you know the blands and these sorts of things yeah rocking up with a handful of boiled sweets and you know they're like milkman shorts and their wee singlets and away they go and do a bob graham in 12 hours or something stupid <laughs> so um it's always that thing i don't know if you guys feel the same tell me if you do like i i look at people especially on my first couple of races i looked at these people in the short shorts and the singlets and i'm like christ these guys are runners like these guys are runners these are hill runners these are fell runners and I'm standing there in my decathlon tights and my, you know, my de- my decathlon windshirt, like Kalmenji. yeah, like cacti. <laughs> yeah, I've got a pair here actually. Um, and you're like, what what am I doing? And then like every year, as you get a little bit more experience and you go to more races, and that's thing you can go to these big races like Skyline Scotland or Golden Trail Series, or you go to the little, you know, smaller club held ones like you know the Larry Brew race or the Carnethy Five. And yeah, you think, oh yeah, now I look like a runner. Now I look like I deserve to be here. And it's like three, two, one, go, and everyone goes off, and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that that is a bit. I can totally relate to that corner. That imposter syndrome. Feeling yeah. Of, no, you're like you do. You're, you're like looking around, going, ah, oh, fuck. Man, these are seasoned yeah. hell runners, hell runners, and you're just like fresh out a park run feeling you know it's like you know that is not belittling park run at all but it's just it it feels very much like a lot more raw a lot more at one with the landscape you know than the more um, mainstream running it's kind of like road biking and off-road biking it's it, mm-hmm. it, it attracts a certain type of person as well and, and that type of person is usually clad in what we spoke about short shorts yeah. a bag very little expense spared probably had that kit for quite a number of years and it probably sits in a bag in the back of their car and honks i think it's one of those things like you say with ex- every, everyone goes through it no one has you know well, there's very few people, I guess, genetically who are born like that to just be an athlete who run or climb or surf or whatever it is. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you are, Stephen. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. just, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I sometimes look at myself in the mirror and I have that thought, especially when I come out of the shower. Oh, like, we all have that. 
goes away very quickly, though. Okay. Can we just say that Stephen's halfway, halfway through his first beer? That's why I'm getting <laughs> these uh, sort of well, comments. I am drinking a top-out beer that Connor kindly donated to the Young Hearts Run Free um, <laughs> cause. Oh, did you, you know? not get the invoice? The invoice was in that box. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, I'll get on. You're sending the invoice to me, along with his photographs of the beer. Drinking the cone. Which is a yeah. West Coast IPA, so nice and tiny. And I just realised it was six point eight percent. Oh, did I not mention? Sorry, <laughs> didn't actually clock the ABV. Six point eight percent. So yes, half a glass of that, and I can feel my rose, rosy cheeks. So bringing it, bringing it back to running, right? Bringing it back and bringing it back to to hill running specifically hmm. is the fact that they go out with minimal kit. There's no very many sort of long races, are they? Traditionally, a hill race is over quite in a short space of time, but it's it's full on go for it, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Is that is that the reason for the bomb bag? Because even when I've been in a hill race, the bomb bag doesn't look like there's got very much in it. it yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think is going back slightly. One of those things, you know, when you start, you know, you think you need to have like, you know, the the, the gear, if you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. you know. Just, Disclaimer, when you're going out in the hills, you should always have the gear. But when you start running, you think, oh, my, you know, I've ran like a 10K loop of the hills or a 20K loop of the hills. I've used none of the stuff in this race bag or this bag. It's like, okay, well, next time I go, I'm going to trim it down because everyone is just super weight conscious. And um, like I say, I think they're kind of inspired by the, you know, you see the previous generation of these guys smashing out big rounds. And like I said, they're running around with a handful of sweets and, you know, a wee mm-hmm. bottle or something. So, yeah, I think it will always be um, sort of epitomized by you see someone in a singlet with a short shorts, like you say, with the Walsh's on and you're like, right, that guy's just knocked out a Ramsey round or, you know, he's gone and done something crazy, you know, but to him, it's no big deal. And he's he looks, you know, thighs are like tree trunks and stuff. And then you've got another guy who's running the same thing behind him and he's got like the kitchen sink in his pack and he's got like four layers on and all this kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I think it'll always, yeah, you're always going to toe the start line. I remember going to Carnethy 5 the first time I ever ran it in 2015, I think. And I, again, I was that guy with the decathlon tights on, with my base layer on, with my windshell on, with my beanie on, with my gloves on. And I'm standing next to Finley Wilde in his like thong and his bra. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, and it was snowing, you know, it was like knee deep snow at times. And I was like, Christ, he's going to die, and I'm probably going to die quickly after him. So, <laughs> I've got that image in my head of the runners looking like ants going up the the first climb. You know, yeah. before everybody separated out, and it's at least once every two years. It's 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 snowy, magnificent. Mm-hmm. Should also say as well the Kennethy Five, just for clarity. It's no, it's no five miles. It's five hills. <laughs> yeah, it's, right? not, just, it's not. Just for miles. people, just for people who are listening, because something we didn't speak about a lot is hill running, Stephen. Is it really? No, no, no. We've had a few guests on who are hill runners, and Ali, um, that we've yeah. already spoken about David Wallace, who we've spoken about recently. He did his double Ramsey attempt the, the other week. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's probably because it's something that you and I don't partake in enough yeah. so that is a challenge for john but in fact think of that connor think of a hill race that john should do in the next <laughs> 12 months probably got my doing. No, but <laughs> the thing is though we've said at the start this is episode 50 and in the, in the course of 50 episodes we probably haven't really to this level of detail spoken about hill racing so it's brilliant also yeah. it leads me into 
I want to ask Connor another question. You mentioned the Larry Grew. You mentioned the mm. um, OMM doing that sort of stuff in the Kinetic Five. What's your favourite race you've ever done? Good question, I guess. Um, I love the Larry Grew. I've only ever ran it once, and it was 2018. And I think, again, maybe wrong. Someone may correct me when this comes out, but I think it was the hottest year they ever recorded or something. I think it was 29, 30 degrees. It was disgusting, basically. And from three, two, one, go, your guts, mine were anyway. I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm sure people were suffering just as much as me because the heat was unbelievable it was it was absolutely disgusting um but it's a fantastic race and i unfortunately i didn't get to race it this year but it's, it's one of those things like say it doesn't matter if it's a if it's you know a world-renowned sky running circuit or you know what what the d-side runners do for braemar and the mountain rescue team and, and how well it's marshaled and, and everything else you know i think it's 15 quid to enter it's one of these ones that, you know you have to be on your computer or on your phone because it will go you know there and then because it's such a such a fantastic race in the in the in the calendar and stuff and you know there's so many club le- uh, club members running it now it's you know some ridiculous ridiculous times you know um so yeah i was i was lucky enough i managed to get in on 2018 and yeah it was it was disgustingly hot it's just kind of i think the, the first sort of 10k 11k is is um from Braemar uh, down to sort of Derry Lodge is yeah just sort of single track uh, rocky stuff with a bit of road at the start as well so it's very yeah you just have to keep your pace um, as as best you can and um, and then you kind of get into the Cairngorms a little bit more but it's just that undulation it's not a lot of elevation I think overall it's maybe around about the seven eight hundred meters of elevation mark um, don't ask me what that is in feet because I, I work in kilometers and meters I know, but... I've, I've noticed that. <laughs> Yeah, it's throwing, throwing me. I, I, that's just, I don't know why I find it a little bit easier. So that's what I go with. But um, it was a fantastic race. It was a great vibe. And, and I'd love to get back and, and hopefully do it again um, next year if I can. But the, the day I ran it was just so hot. You were running, you were going up a little bit. And as you came back down, there was just big pockets of hot air. And you could feel it just changing. And there was there was a lot of guys suffering, uh, myself included. Um, and there was a lot of people crossing the finish line and going off to a corner of the car park to sort themselves out behind a bush. Uh, it wasn't. I think um, I've not had the pleasure of running the Lyra Grew yet. Um, it, it'll be on the to-do list for sure. John has. I like the the fact that they now market it as only just an ultra, just because it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a wee smidgen over the marathon distance. It's, it's like 26 and a half, 27 miles or something like that. But uh, nearly. Famous for a difficult part in the middle of it where you kind of have to navigate over a boulder field but in the middle of the layer it grew. Was that a hard obstacle to overcome? It, it, it has a bit of a mythical sort of feel to it from people who have ran it. They yeah. are speaking to two guys who have ran it. Boulder field, tell me. I think when you get to that point, it's... If you've studied the the course enough and looked at it, you think, okay, the boulder field's the hurdle. When you get spat out of it, you've got, I think, roughly around about nine or ten k left of the finish line. So it's that it's that last real mental hurdle. When you get past that, you can just, you know, brains off, brakes off. As long as you keep your legs moving, keep one foot in front of the other at a good pace, you'll you'll get home in under an hour. And um, yeah, the boulder field. I think I can only speak from when I ran it, but because it was so hot. I think everyone was so ecstatic to see a pool of water 
you know, um, when we got there, there was just numerous splashes and sploshes, and it was just people throwing themselves in it headfirst. Brilliant. Uh, um, and then obviously coming out, you're wet, but you don't really care. Um, and yeah, obviously you have to navigate. But there, there is a wee bit of a track going around there, so it's not, right. you know, it's not like Mordor or, you know, it's not like any, any medicine, you know, and, and Angelic or, uh, uh, you know, it's not like the Charlemagne Gap or anything. There is a, a wee remnants of a path that you can kind of. It's that thing, you know, because it's not got a lot of elevation. I know I speak to a lot of road runners who have ran it and they go, Oh yeah, you know, it's fine. Da, 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 da. And then they get to the boulder field and they have like no idea how to like rock hop, you know, or yeah. they have no, no confidence in their ankles, you know, or this sort of stuff. So um, I suppose that's just where, you know, it can maybe trip some people up, but. Um, you spoke earlier about the, sometimes the flats between the hills being a bit of a mental barrier. That was, yeah. And I know at the end of the layer of grew, you've got, you know a three mile stretch where it does flatten out and you're at a wee bit of road yeah did your, did your legs <laughs> kind of go hello shuffle i yeah i got i got again it was that thing so i'm very much and i like my coach brings this up a lot right i bring up tim certainly i'm very much a second half racer so it, it takes me about 10 kilometers to warm up to anything um and then obviously marathon i'm like right it's 42 kilometers i know i can do zero to 10 and i'm fine 10 to 20 is when i'll switch on the hardest is 20 to 30 and then when i get to that 31 32k mark i'm like right okay you just have to you know go go all out so um that's kind of my that's as much as my mental capacity stretches on, on marathons um so have you, um, have you done a marathon like a per se a you know 26.2 miles no, no so like 42 I, kilometers 42 42.2k or something uh, no. <laughs> oh oh <laughs> yeah, never, oh, that's that's one for the to-do list no it's not no i don't know there's there's a whole heap of stories that i could keep talking to you guys about for hours but um uh yeah you speak about sorry just coming back slightly those flats like say the the i i had a, a pair of headphones in my pack and i had a playlist already out so i thought as soon as i get over that boulder field you stick your headphones in i had one gel left and i thought right just you know balls to the wall get on with it and if you cramp up run through it just do do whatever you can and yeah just hit hit that high pelted downhill singing my wee heart out and uh kicked a tree stump and just headbutted the floor like amazingly i was it was just i wish i'd seen it back actually because it was a peach and um, yeah I, I think i took a tree out on, on the way down it's quite impressive so um and then got back up and carried on running and then um john will know like where you cross the bridge is where they sort of put the last little aid station and it's basically some poor woman who has to run down and fill everyone's bottles from the waters uh from the river sorry and um yeah tanked past her and i'd already wrecked that half before i'd, I'd ran from the road up into the larry grew to corroboffy and then back down just to give me an idea of how the last 10k would go on the legs and got spat out at the road and i was like and then yeah i just hit that wall of shit i've still got two or three kilometers to the town center um so it was just very much uh it was almost like hunting uh I, there was a woman in front of me maybe a, i don't know 100 200 meters and i just stared at her like probably gave her the fright of my life and i was just hunting her down because obviously you run past Collin bridge hotel so there's all these people coming out of the hotel and i was running past i was dirty i was filthy i was bloody i think i had gel stuck in my beard as well and uh, i was just panting after this poor woman walking down the, walking down the road and i was because you you cross the bridge next to the um 
next to the old bridge in pub and then you turn right and you go up the wee viaduct and then you get spat out onto Aviemore High Street and then you can see the finish line and you're like I can't fail here because you know the whole of Aviemore is staring at you whilst you <laughs> of course I you know thinking I was the bee's knees or thinking I was Killian or I was going to bring it home you know I did this stupid little skip off off the off the step to cross the road and as soon as I skipped my calf just cramped and I was like no I'm not going down like this so I just like dragged my leg over the last hundred meters and my mother was there actually that's the only time she's ever came to one of my races um because I had to bribe her into giving me a lift to Braemar in the first place but she was there at the end and um yeah let's just sort of yeah so it was really nice to see my mum actually and um, a couple of, just, um a couple of claps from the tourist buses <laughs> yeah it's like it's like vamos vamos ale ale i was like yeah <laughs> brilliant and you know what you're saying it was hot but james wildy did that yep. well, that day as well Stephen. he did you had, james, you had james from active route yep i don't think i've met him oh, he's a good lad he, he was there that same day and he he told the story as well about it being very very hot james unfortunately was in the lead and took a wrong turn into the high street he missed the viaduct and went past it and took a wrong turn yeah i do remember yes i do remember afterwards yeah hearing that and um but saying that in that heat in that distance you finish i just checked the times you finished in 521 that's a fantastic run oh you checked the time god i forgot you can do that right that's Uh, a fantastic run in that what was it like afterwards though because you must have been quite severely dehydrated were you not um i got in trouble because I fell asleep in the freezer of Tesco is the God's honest truth. Yeah, my, I was um, so it was so hot and it was that thing you talk about. I, I rocked up to the start line in my wee Salomon shorts and my Rab t-shirt and everyone's there. You know, you had all the D-side runners, you had Carnethy, you had, you know, the Bog guys, you had a few guys traveling, Aberdeen Metro and whatever else and they're all you know, with their bum bags. And I'm like, how the hell have you got all the race kit in that wee bum bag, you know? And I'm, I'm strapped to the chest. And and I think about 1K into the run, I just forcefully ripped off the sleeves of my T-shirt because uh, I just needed to get any any kind of air and stuff. But afterwards was, yeah, the the organization was fantastic, as always, from from the guys up there. The uh, Kangle Mountain Cafe above the outdoor shop had put on a wee bit of food for us, which was uh, very much needed um but yeah i think afterwards i wasn't too bad um like I, said, I went to tesco with my mother bless her and she kind of carried me around and i opened the freezer door and sat in it very um yeah not very not very professional <laughs> my, my part i was so hot and a lot of people were having more obviously people that have been to having on the high street you have directly opposite the kangol mountain shop there's like the wee river and the viaduct thing so there was there was a lot of people walking across the road basically just dunking themselves in that viaduct but yeah no so i went into tesco grabbed a lot of ice cream sat in the cooler and actually closed my eyes for a few minutes and got told off by my mother and um so she drove me back to elgin at the time and i think i was asleep by the time she pulled out the car park to be honest with you so that sounds like a great favorite race corner that's uh, not, that, that well that is one of my favorites but it's not the best memory i have of of racing was you you've asked me about a marathon and i've never entered just well sorry i've obviously done larry group um i've never just at that point done a a full-on like you know start to finish 26 mile marathon um it was when my friend andy introduced me to the pentlands and he was very much he loved the long distance stuff and he showed me this race on my lunch break and it was in italy and he was like yeah it's a race 
it's just over three days. And I went, ah, that sounds great, sign me up. And not realizing what it was at all. And it turned out to be, I think it was the first year or the second year of the um, Ultra Tour Monte Rosa. So it was a, a, a three-day <laughs> three stage race around, around Monte Rosa in northern Italy. And I just had not realized what the hell he signed me for. And I willingly, this is very stupid of me, but willingly just gave him my bank card, I think, and said, yeah, just book us flights or something. It'll be fine. And that's, that was my first ever race, yeah, was was um, UTMR. That was hot. That, that forced me to to bonk on the first, at the end of the first day in this poor old Italian man's front lawn. I felt so sorry. I went up afterwards and cleaned up, obviously. But this poor little Italian man sitting at the finish line, clapping all the runners in, and I crossed the finish line. I went, oh, God, that was bleh. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I apologize profusely, but they, they actually pulled me out of the second day because I couldn't keep any fluid there and I tried so hard and um, they, they pulled me out the second day because the second day was due to be, I think, like 30 plus degrees and, and they, they wouldn't let me go out and play, which was probably a good thing because in hindsight, I probably would have keeled over. But um, luckily, I managed to recover a bit on the second day whilst everyone else was was out being you know proper runners and doing it properly and and then i managed to sub back in and do the last the last stage race which was a just over a marathon distance i think but it wasn't it wasn't pretty by any slight imagination and um again it's one of these things you know i think ruth ruth croft won the female that year xavier delarue or someone um no sorry xavier theronard i think he won the the men's event or something so yeah it was it was really inspiring to see like bloody hell these are top athletes and here's me throwing up in some italian guy's garden after like, not not eating a chiba can i ask a question mm. are you still pals with andy uh, yeah <laughs> begrudgingly begrudgingly so no i i have a lot to thank andy andy for and he's um he's just signed up to a 100 miler in tasmania so uh yeah good good luck to him um i wish him all the best i think <laughs> well I, think I think running legend lizzie hawker is the race director of she is. Uh, also yeah. monterosa and i, I know that because i've read lizzie's book i think yeah. i think it's just called runner actually mm-hmm. uh, lizzie's book and um it's a phenomenal event <clears throat> i'm really jealous that you've been in that environment though you know and getting that exposure to not just the surroundings but also the the type of people that are taking part in that event it must be great just to even watch these people watch what they do steve and i speak frequently that when we're looking at either race videos or race photographs we're seeing what people are wearing on their feet or what their kit they've got but to see at that I mean that's your top end runners are going to that gig isn't it yeah no absolutely it's um it's it's one of those ones like at the time because i was just so not really into the sport i just enjoyed running in the penlands with my mate you know and avoiding cows and uh um, went went to this race and uh you know we we met friend andy and i met some friends there a couple of americans you know who we're still friends with and we still chat with which is fantastically social and and you know that thing I was sitting having dinner with you know Ruth Ruth Croft and she probably has no recollection of this now because she's you know obviously just she does this every week, but um, yeah and it wasn't until afterwards you know that you really I came away and then I saw you know people like Ruth Croft you know smashing out Marathon de Mont Blanc or you know Tarawira one hundred you know just smashing these things I'm like oh my god she's like a top level athlete you know and 
I'm sitting here talking absolute crap though one night in a tiny wee Swiss village, you know, slurring my words. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, but it's, it was an amazing experience and, um, they've upped it now the race to a, a four day stage race. I think it starts in Zermatt now, I believe. And it does four stages all the way around back to Zermatt. But, um, I would love to go back and do it again. We, we've spoke about going and doing it. Um, so yeah, maybe in the future we'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. It's like a, a bucket list race that you've already almost done a recce for yeah yeah absolutely it's uh, <laughs> I, I think lizzie had that's thing i mean again lizzie hawker i mean a fantastic athlete and you know she when she came up with the race i remember talking to her and you know she said this quite a lot i think about it being a, a training ground or a, or a step up to you know people wanting to do utmb but i think in you know in the last few years the way that you know she's the race has changed and the and the distances and stuff it's you know it doesn't get the same sort of exposure and the marketing and all this sort of stuff but from a runner's perspective what you're getting i think whether you do the 100 mile or the 100k or the stage race you know it's 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 beautiful you know first and foremost and, and what you're getting is 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 an unbelievable experience and um yeah i th- i think it's you know just as worthy to do as any you know utmb or anything so and the most mm. important question that is on john and i's lips what did you eat after that you're in Italy. What was the run reward? It was like everything that you could fit on a pizza, basically. Ah, that's, that's, yeah. just, that's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, it's that thing of, like, say your guts start playing you up. You're like, I'm not all right. I'm just going to live off bread and water for the next week. I promise. I promise. And you get across the finish line. It's like beer, Coca Cola, <laughs> pizza, like whatever anybody has in their hand, you're eating or drinking it. Uh, what a place to finish a race, Italy. Um, John, you and I need to go and run a race in Italy. Just like maybe just a park run, a five k. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody comes on, we're like, "Yeah, we're going there, going there." But this is the big draw. This is the big draw, definitely. I know. I know. Remember, Nicky Johnston was like, "Come and run a race in Germany," because it's like you know the the, the post run was... rewards are good there. But if if we could have an Italy versus Germany sort of competition, <laughs> let's, right. let, let's do it. Like do you know, currywurst versus pizza. I think I think John's just stumbled on something. There's a collab for you. Uh, is <laughs> I spend a lot of time with Germans at work because obviously my boss is a German and they own the brewery. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been definitely um, open my eyes to the German, uh, well, more German delicacies, shall we say. And and that brings us on neatly onto the topic of beer and brewing. So, mm. Connor, obviously you are employed at Top Out Brewery. Mm-hmm. Correct. And such was the attraction of beer has brought you to our attention <laughs> for, for, for to come on the podcast. So let's talk a wee bit about Top Out, um, who are based in near the Pentlands. Yeah, yeah, we are. So we're based um, just our, yeah, just like two fields, three fields away from the Pentlands, uh, um, just behind IKEA is the easiest way to tell oh, it. Oh, yeah, everybody it's knows that. And everybody knows IKEA. It's like, like a day out for people in Scotland, isn't it? Paris IKEA. has got the Eiffel Tower, you know, <laughs> Edinburgh's got ikea is straight pretty much even <laughs> have you been to straight in ah yeah every day yeah, so, yeah the, so the brewery's just been the, the foot of the pentland yeah yeah no we're very i think we're like one mile away from you know hill end 
car park or the, or the ski center. So yeah. um, the brewery is based there. It has been there since it started. Um, so my boss, who is 50% of Top Out, um, Michael, is a is a German native from Frankfurt originally. Uh, worked in the um, whiskey and, and beer trade for many, many years and stuff and, and worked in London and, and Edinburgh in the whiskey industry, but was also a, a massively keen climber and runner and cyclist and it's kind of that thing of I think when he was young you know he came across here being obsessed with whiskey and came over with his bike and just did a massive cycle tour around Scotland taking in you know Speyside and you know we've already touched on Elgin and stuff really it's kind of like the whiskey capital of the world almost um, and he just kind of fell in love with Scotland there and 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 learned to climb and I think when he was coming up with ideas, so he, he started Top Hat Brewery with his with his business partner at the time and uh, a guy called Philip. Um, and they were just kind of thinking of what, what to call it. And I think, yeah, Top Out, they'd gone through a few ideas, but Top Out seemed to stick um, just with the sort of climbing and the mountain reference. Um, obviously, yeah. Top Out, yeah, yeah. For, for those listeners not acquainted with what Top Out means, top out so yeah top out basically means if you're climbing a route rock climbing a route or walking a mountain uh, basically the, that part where you finish the route or you finish the top of the mountain uh, the term is called topping out so you top out onto the summit of a mountain um and it's kind of been been put into all of our label designs for our, our beers and our branding and stuff so we yep. use ordnance survey maps for all of our labels uh with a different mountain in scotland um and basically as long as one of us in the team has climbed or ran or skied or any sort of thing that's that's brought us to the top of the mountain and you know we have a wee story to tell or some pictures or something uh we feel comfortable and happy enough that we can you know emblazon it on a on a beer so we've got a few different mountains around scotland um you've got a can of the cone in your hand which is ben lomond it is i was, I was just reading ask, that i was going to ask the question about the lines on the cans the cans are a work of art yeah, work of art. Yeah. and I love I love that thought that's went into making it something really quite unique, you know, because mm. they are. Um, I've also had a wee browse about your online shop. The cans mm. look absolutely brilliant. So that's what it is. The it's if you if one of the teams been on the hill somewhere, then you feel you can use that. I love it. Absolutely. As, love as, it. as long as like Michael is the biggest. There's two things I learned about Michael. Um, one, he is probably the most open-minded in terms of beer. Probably like any sort of working environment, you know, you get people who are maybe a little bit snobby or derogatory about another company's product. But Michael is 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 not like that in the sense, you know, if I'm going to one of my customers to a bottle shop, he'll be like, oh my God, can you get me this latest beer or this latest beer, this latest beer? Like he just, he's so open. And there's sometimes we'll try it in the brewery. He'll try and go, that's absolutely shite. Like that is horrible. But then there's other times he's, you know, we've tried stuff and we we try stuff from competitors all the time. You know, you just have to. It's it's an ever changing world in the beer industry. It changes from week to week. You know, and, we, and we're we're super friendly with a lot of the guys. And yeah, numerous times we've tried beers from competitors in Edinburgh or you know close in Scotland. And we'll message them and go, oh my god, boys, that latest sour you bought out was unbelievable, like fantastic. So um, that was the one thing I, I learned about Michael is he's so. Um, yeah, has such an open mind in that sense, but he's also the most conscious about what he puts into the world in terms of his beers or his ideas behind the company or the way that the company wants to, the direction or how we're, you know, perceived a little bit in the in the industry. So yeah, he's very, very conscious. And if he's not 
happy with it then you know we won't we won't do it um but he's, he's also like say that goes back again a little bit he's so open in that sense that if i think it's a good idea or if andy or roddy uh, roddy's our, our full-time brewer and andy is also 50 percent owner of, of top out brewery you know we're it's a very you know yeah sort of open discussion about where and what we do and stuff but yeah my, michael is fantastic in that regard so can't complain with, my, with that <laughs> so what is your favorite top out beer uh, mine is at the minute is uh, we do a beer called Gipfel, and Gipfel is the German word for summit. And I think it was actually Andy that came up with that one. Um, it was his, his one good idea that he had last year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it made it it made it onto a beer. Um, but I think is I think before when it was just Michael and then Andy came on board about four years ago now um, to try and you know push the, the company a bit more, try and, you know, do a little bit more sales, get the beer out there and get the beer into the hands that, you know, the people that we want to attract, um, you know, around the world, whether they're just doing a 5K park run or whether they're doing a mountain marathon or if they're just, you know, exploring the local area a bit more and they they feel like they, you know, they want to connect or reward themselves a little bit more. So um, Andy came on board to, to help that side of things and, and bought into the company. So we, because Michael had had such a monopoly on all the beers before, he's like, oh, I've been up Ben Lomond, we're putting that one on, or I've been up uh, Ben Alder, we'll do that one, etc. So I think uh, Gipfel was the first one Andy actually had a, 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 a say in, and it's basically, it is Stuckercroin next to Ben Vorlock. Lock Ernhead. Yeah, so that was that's one of Andy's favorites. He's been up there running, he's been up there with his kids, he's been up there camping, you know, he he loves it. And he just that last little scrambly section. Like he's not got a massive uh love of of heights or exposure, but he, he does enjoy the like the wee sort of scrambly sections. Um I can so, always see it from my living room window if it oh, wasn't for if it wasn't for the neighbor's house, in fact, I, I, I could see Stuka crying, um, which is quite the, and all the empty yeah. cans piled up on your window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Do you know what though? Like, I have a weird attraction with the shape of hills, John. If this is going a wee bit like like fetish, then just go with it, okay? Okay, but, man. Okay. Do you know the shape of some hills are very attractive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I can't explain it. I can't explain it. And my local hill, Craig Rossi, I think it's quite a shape-way looking hill. Do you know what I mean? It's just got a nice redeeming features to it. And Stuka Croin and then Ben Vorlich that sits, you know, just to the, the north of it. The two yeah. of them together is a sort of omnipresent on our skyline here, on on our landscape. And, and, and you just kind of grow, like, you get quite close to them. What we could do, I'm actually quite taken aback by the use of words such as redeeming and omnipresent. This is, you're taking us to a whole new level here, right? But maybe our listeners could nominate their favourite hill and tell us why they love it. No, you, what have you put in this? I've <laughs> just, just hops and, you know, good vibes and everything you need. Um, there is a, an, just slightly sideways there's an artist called uh becca rankin rebecca rankin uh, you guys may have come across her work and um, she's got a website called a line in the sky so okay. in my, yeah in my dining room the first time so again for your listeners that may not be aware like check out becca and she's in no way related to our brewery or anything this is literally just a a, a love for her art um and and she creates these 
sort of line single line drawings I'm, I'm not i'm not doing them justice people will need to go and have a look for themselves and she travels around scotland and and makes these these fantastic drawings of you know all these mountains she's a big big uh, munro bagger and, and hill walker herself but um when i saw them i was like oh my god they're just just appeal the simplicity of them just captures the hills so so well and she's done a range of of different ones around scotland and 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 from a running perspective as well you, your your listeners would probably like things like the west highland way the bob graham round you know she's drawn them she's drawn the race profiles as well as you know just the single lines between each hills and it's just something very aesthetically pleasing yeah about them. that's um, a much 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 better way than putting it in fancying them i, but, I fancy ben aldo yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i know but i know what you mean Stephen. and there's a love thing man and that's cool i yeah. also must see a couple of things that connor mentioned you asked connor what his favorite beer was and he came back with a line like if you ask me what my favorite song was it was at the minute so it changes and i like that i like that, it does, I love that. yeah it, it does change i mean again that's the joy of i, I don't really have many stresses at, at work and my bosses certainly aren't, aren't aren't stresses but they're so laid back and um like I say they're so open to uh, the thing with the, the beer nowadays the market you can almost get away with putting anything in a can anything you can possibly think of someone's probably put it put it in a beer you know milkshake ipas or you know whatever it is now the the world's a kind of you know the sky's the limit certainly so yeah if i say to michael this particular beer style is selling really well or i'm seeing a lot of these so uh, last year for instance there was this thing called the dessert range of beers and um it was things like you know cookie dough ice cream imperial stout beer you know and it was a big 10 percent beer um and again you know peanut butter chocolate you know almonds stout again big 10 11 12 percent but this is what we were seeing on the on the shelves of all the shops and people were raving about them because it is like it's like a dessert in a can basically that you can drink and get a wee bit of a buzz off so um so that's that where the, the black forest gato one came from yeah so the uh michael and, and roddy had brewed that previously as a small batch one-off and they put it into bottles and it and it shifted away it wasn't the best selling beer in the world um but it shifted away but we looked at our range and thought okay we've got some great pale ales some ipa some sours some lagers we need you know probably one of these dessert stout things so michael went back rebrewed it tweaked the recipe ever so slightly i believe um and came out with this yeah um kirschdorter which again is the german word for black forest and um it's a uh, uh, 7.2 percent it's a black forest gatto cherry stout so it it filled the range nicely a lot of people absolutely fell in love with it um and it will be making a return later in the year as well but um it just yeah it, it was it, yeah go for it no and john's sitting there kind of going I know at the moment John is abstaining from any from such. alcohol, not, not from desserts. Not from desserts. Oh, okay, well this is maybe this is maybe your transition back in. This could be coming back in, yeah. But you know what? When Connor was talking there about cookie dough, and I'm thinking there'll be people sitting listening to this, or maybe out running listening to this, going cookie dough beer, give that bash. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just, it's a wee things that. And I think they're quite quirky, and I, I do like things like that. I've also got to mention as well, you mentioned about how the beers got named, and you mentioned Andy and his love of this hill, and Stephen was talking about fancy and hills and things like that. And 
I just think that people, you can get, it's a way of people getting a connection with a place, a can yeah. of beer, isn't mm-hmm. it? If, if you've got that map on the, I hadn't thought about that before. And that certainly appeals to me. That that grabs me in, how I've got a connection with that. And it just starts sparking memories and stuff. And you're looking at, I'm a, I love maps. I love maps. So, yeah. you know, so I'm into that. However, I want to bring this back somehow to running, right? Okay. There is, and I'm not, I know you're not a doctor unless you've hidden it very well, Connor, right? <laughs> but there is a there is a train of thought that a beer or a stout mm-hmm. could be part of your recovery from a run. Are you are you from that school of thought? Yeah, it's it's been brought upon, like say, since we've done engaged more with with people in the sort of running community over the last sort of two years. I think there's some scientific value. There's more potassium in a pint of beer than there is in two bananas or something. And I had a woman tell me this about a month ago. We did um, the outsider events up at Blair Athol Castle. Uh, Andy and I last month we we ran the bar there. We both ran one of the races. And there was this woman right at the end who um, her husband was doing the ultra hats off to him 60 kilometers it was bloody roasting that weekend and uh, the the course was so open and it went across two monroes there's absolutely nowhere to hide in the woods there's no coverage so uh, yeah i think a lot of them got cooked and she said please 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 can you stay open just for my husband he'll buy more than one pint and we thought yeah he's ran 60 kilometers we can wait another half an hour no dramas and he came across and he's like, oh, thank you, lads, thank you. And, and I, I'm not sure if his wife was a doctor or maybe just an, an avid, you know, Googler. Um, but she started telling Andy more than me about, yeah, the scientific values between beer and recovery and, like, say, mm. certain styles of beer and if there's certain ingredients. I've not really looked into it all that much because I think my coach would have a fit if I told him I was smashing back pints after doing it. <laughs> I think maybe a, maybe one pint or a three thirty ml can <laughs> maybe maybe do you, but it's certainly something I've seen before. Some people will go for a nice a good coffee directly yep. after a run, but I've also equally seen people with a stout or an IPA. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen that, and it's just they say that it does it aids the recovery. So I'm not a doctor either, <laughs> but you know what? If you've got something nice that quenches your thirst and it's pleasurable as well, why not? That, crucially, it's sometimes a carrot on a stick as well, isn't it? Do you know, I, no. I, part of the the reason that the finish line is calling. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But I think it's running is so much about you know your body will only take you so far, and then your body goes, nah, we're not doing this anymore, and then you know your your head, your mind comes into it, especially on yeah sort of longer distance stuff. I think for people, you know, ultras and mountain ultras and all that stuff, and. It's funny, like that mental fortitude of when you're standing there at six o'clock in the morning and you see someone setting up a bar, you're like, God, I'm going to puke if I smell beer, you know, because you're not thinking about that. But then when you're maybe 90, 95% of your race and you, you know, you, you think you're dying and yeah, you just want to get across the finish line and you see someone there with a cold beer, you're like, okay, the world's not a bad place. <laughs> I'll survive. Pretty me being off the bevy. I'd tell a pint at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be that guy, wouldn't you? <laughs> 500 milk and a, no, a pint and a Stella, I think. Is, oh, is definitely. definitely. It's more of that. <laughs> so, is there uh, an event or a run that Top Out are involved with, Connor? Um, there is, I would 
there is one. So um, you've already mentioned Active Route. Um, there's a chap there, Peter Ness, who is running Scurry events. Um, so he is. Uh, he approached us um, if we would be interested in, in doing something with him. Unfortunately, this year, because of COVID restrictions and just the way it's played out, unfortunately, we won't be able to have a bar there this year. And um, what we've done is is donated some beer to the finishers, and we've um, just given all the finishers like a wee discount code for their goodie bag and stuff, just as to say, you know, congratulations on finishing, and you know, hope they enjoyed themselves. So the the scurry events one will be happening next month. Up block Tewi. It is the I think it's the two bridges event. He's got he's, okay. he's got like one every yeah. month. Actually, I need to familiarize myself again okay. with him. He's, right. he's, he's got I think one one enough every month. This one is like a it's a team relay, I believe, starting from Dundee and it finishes okay. in uh in Edinburgh and Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The five coast it goes down the five coastal path route. So when I spoke to Peter last week, I think he said he had I think it was about 150 runners individually, and then I think there's uh, uh, they're in teams of four. So I think he's yeah. got about 30 teams. My maths Brilliant. isn't fantastic, but uh, uh, yeah. So we're, we're, we'll have a presence at that race. Um, also, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I really wish I could share with you, but if I share, I know it won't happen, or I'll get shot by the bosses. One thing I can tell you. Um, Later on in the year, I've signed up to do Snowden Skylight. Well, I actually signed up about two years ago, but um, due to due to obviously the nature of the world, um, it's been put back and put back. But the the chap um, who organises that, uh, a really nice guy called Mike, runs Apex Running Events. He is doing a race. Uh, it's called Race Across Snowdonia, which is happening in a few days. Um, and we, yeah, basically what I did with you guys, I saw that you were into running and enjoyed a beer. So I just sort of blindly messaged him asking, you know, did he want free beer? And of course, no one says no. Um, so yeah, sent sent him some beers down and he loved them. And then, um, yeah, we, we just had some mutual friends and he approached and asked if we could, uh, you know, help him out. So we, um, we we did some stuff for them. The beers turned up today. He sent me a picture. So he's a very happy man. Uh, oh, that on socials. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was fantastic. So yeah, there's um, there's uh, yeah. So anybody who may be listening to this, or you know, when it comes out, if they've done race across Snowdonia, um, congratulations. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your beer at the end. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, that's fantastic. I'm just, I'm just checking this uh, scurry two bridges thing. Mm. It is on August the fourteenth. It is 161 kilometers, which as we all know, is 100 miles. Um, starts in Dundee, takes you over the Tay Bridge, does the five coastal path, and ends up at Silver Nose. Does you do Cramond Island, all that sort of stuff? So it'd be a fantastic, really challenging run. It's split up into stages of, let me just check, there are uh, 16 stages to it. So it's split up all the way through. So it'd be a fantastic event. Four stages per runner. It must be. It must yeah. be. I'm not. I'm not sure how that works. Just quickly looking at it on Google, but it might. These are the sort of things that I'll drive doing and just watch everybody. <laughs> it's, just, it's the sort of thing I'll I'll, I'll do, you know. So yeah, yeah. We'll, um, put, we'll put links up to these in the show notes. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely yep, brilliant. There's, I think like you you guys will be aware when you start to kind of you do you you get everyone goes through the stage whether it's a 5k park run or you know they join a local running club or they just have a mate who's super keen you'll go every single person it doesn't have to be running either goes through that period of just becoming obsessed with it for a little little amount of time it doesn't matter if it's a week or a month or a year or whatever 
everyone everyone yeah. goes through that period um and it's a great period i think because you're just so excited by everything you want to do everything you want to experience everything you want to meet everybody and tick everything off and um yeah it's fantastic so um i think you can go from yeah in a, in a full race year you can go easily weekend to weekend doing any kind of running biathlons duathlons whatever it might be you know so um scotland is a is an absolute playground whether you run or climb or paddle or whatever it may be so yeah there's so many of these events now popping up some absolutely massive which we've touched on and some slightly smaller organized and everything in between so um, we would love to be at every single one of them, but I don't think it will be worth it. We kind of have to, you know, go through and, and, and cherry pick. But um, yeah, we had a great time at the Blair Athol event last month. Uh, the people yeah. were fantastic. And I think Good. it was timed well because of obviously restrictions lifting and the, just yeah. the, the stuff everyone had gone through in the last year as well. Just that little bit of social interaction, being out in the hills and it was a glorious weekend and having a wee beer at the end and a wee bit of a 10 minute chat with someone about your love of the day or you know how miserable you might have been at a certain point or having a wee beer with someone you ran in with you know it just it's great it just is great and even you know you guys haven't touched you touched on it sorry with a kyle greg interview but the the mental aspect it has on people as well is is tremendous mm. it's absolutely mm. it's tremendous i think we're all appreciating that a wee bit more that mental side of stuff the fact that we can meet people and say, you know what sit and have a coffee or a juice or a beer it's brilliant just to be in the company of other people and i think it's great what you're saying there are some there are some really big events in scotland but there's some great wee hidden gems as well and yeah. there's also there's also some great wee hidden breweries one of which is top out as well so i think this is really good and i think this has brought everything really together this has been a great episode strangely it was uh, another ultra runner um, who's been a guest on the podcast before rob turner who pointed us in the direction of top out and okay. so, so thank you to rob for, for doing that um because um well i've certainly enjoyed my beer that i was kind of saying um so i'm gonna get a message off rob now wanting a beer aren't i he's like oh, yeah, i told the boys about you so okay you'll run to the brewery tomorrow morning i'm sure um, can i ask another wee question about beer or non-alcoholic beer is that something that top out do or is the thoughts to do that or do you simply it's not on the horizon for you at the moment no we don't have a non-alcoholic beer in the range um okay. our, low, our lowest abv beer at this point is a is a four percent beer which is just our, our pale ale which is extremely popular and it's built the company for for us all so um i'm, I'm by no means going to start knocking it it is a great wee beer but it is something we are looking at it, it kind of is that thing of you know when you're in the industry obviously you, you know a little bit more about you know people who are not and it is actually very difficult to do uh whether it's a zero percent or like a 0.5 percent which is what people yeah. are more accustomed to now so yeah we are looking at it it's something we're taking seriously but to do it well is also something else you know you could knock something out and you say oh yeah we do a low abv non-alcoholic thing but if it tastes weak and you know pissy yeah. Like that, that that initial oh my god top out do a, a non ABV and as soon as everyone tastes it they go oh actually it's not that great so we wanna you know we don't want to just bang one out for the sake of it because in you know in the long run we'll lose um, but yes it is very much something we're aware of and again now like I've already mentioned in the, the the growing following that we have you know over the last sort of two years the people that yeah you know do big races or do FKTs. And they still have to drive home afterwards or they're yeah. maybe 
uh, with their family and, and again at the event we had last month or you know we've had a couple of open days at the brewery people have come on and go oh my god i've loved your cone or i've loved gipfel or one of the german styles but my husband doesn't doesn't drink and um, becca rankin who i've already mentioned from a line in the sky she she loves our beers and, and she's a fantastic advocate for us i think um but her husband isn't isn't a drinker he he really doesn't drink anything so she was also someone who yeah sort of highlighted the fact um so yeah we are looking into it as soon as yep. it happens obviously social media will be the place to go but it is something yeah we are we are looking at and making a real effort for i think it's key well i was quite selfish in asking the question because i am as steven says i am abstaining or have been this year but i love it i, I like a beer and i like a lager do you know what mm-hmm. i mean but but I wouldn't want somebody to compromise taste. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's I know I know it's a delicate one, and but I also know that from the sort of from what you've said tonight about top out as well, you're not going to compromise taste because quality is important. So, um, but it's good that you're thinking about it because it is. I do think there's a whole new pardon the pardon the pun untapped world out there mm-hmm. of people who enjoy a beer. But yep. they also want to drive and they also want to be doing all that sort of stuff. So Aye, they've, got a, a, they've got a 6 a.m. alarm set for their long run the next day. Yeah, exactly. there, there, are exactly. those, there are those crazy people. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but getting us kind of back on the topic of running-ish, I asked you what your favourite top-out beer was, which was mm. Get Fell. Get Fell, yes. And what's your actual favourite top-out? What's your favourite hill? Summit. Ooh. Oh, now you've asked. That's stuck up, Stephen. That's got Connor stuck up a tree, isn't it? That's like a look at them. It has actually. Um, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Monroe bagger or anything. You know, I, I, I have friends probably like yourselves. You ask them and they'll, they'll name any hill they've been up in, in Scotland. Are you really snookering? I'm not sure. What's my favorite? I think what my, it's one of those ones I've been up like you know all the popular hills many times i'm just gonna say actually i don't have a favorite hill but i do have a favorite round which is probably the well it isn't probably it is the kangorm 4000s um which takes in a few hills around the kangorm national park and i've ran that two or three times now um and that's been uh, for me whether it's like as part of a training run or a, or a head cleanser for certain periods of time in my life or yeah something like that and um, i'm also amazed that it's not been turned into a race because it is a fantastic route but um yeah that that by far yeah if, if i just had to run one thing for the rest of my life it would probably just be i go do the kangorm round yeah so just again for the people who are listening who just need that translated to them a round is start and finishing at the same spot and you take in a series of summits in a round yes. and when Connor says four thousands. He's meaning four thousand plus foot. Yeah. So uh, the mountains that are over four thousand feet. And again, don't ask me to convert it because I'll, okay. I'll, I'll butcher it. But yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's a well known round. Um, yep. I think it's been used. You know, Duke of Edinburgh awards camp it. You know, over a day or two. You know, average runners like me will go do it in a day. I know Donny Campbell skied it you know, in a ridiculous time. Um, um, you know, Don, Donnie obviously is an absolute monster. I know Finley. I actually, the first time I ever did it was the same day Finley Wilde broke the record and he, he passed me. Well, he, he floated past me at a ridiculous speed and I just couldn't believe what he was doing until I saw Strava later that night. I was like, holy Christ. Uh, witnessing 
witnessing something special. It was it was something. I'm not sure if he's actually gone faster on it. Maybe recent. Oh no, he did. I'm sure he did his own self-propelled rugby round a couple of months ago. And again, he did some ridiculous, disgusting time, like I don't know, twelve hours or something stupid that Finley's capable of. Probably with a broken arm and an eye patch on, and you know, had had a bum bag with a rip in it. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, um, so no, the the Cairngorm round, sorry, is is my favourite. And we're kind of approaching the the home straight here. Um, Mm -hmm. We always ask our guests to tell us about their favourite local dialect word. (laughs) And it's like a nomination into the Young Hearts Run Free Dialect Dictionary. And that is is your next question. Hopefully I've not snookered you on that one. Oh, I do you know what this was the one again. Obviously, you guys sent me the questions, and uh, I'm trying to think. Is that thing of like I'm trying to remember where I grew up actually? Um, but yeah, a, a where local. Did you grow up? Uh, I did. Well, my my uh, old man was in the air force, so we okay. uh, we travelled a lot. But I kind of did my teenage years up in Elgin on the okay. on the, on the Murray coastline. Uh, I, okay, the one word actually is just it's just literally sprang into my head from like primary school when I when I first moved there. It was called there. Uh, Bide, so the the local kids would say to me, "Oh, fed your bide," yep. and it basically meant, "Well, like, where do you live? Where do you stay?" Ah, that's a good Scottish word. And yep. Kyle, Kyle Gregg, obviously, he grew up in Forest, which is the next town over, so he'll be more than familiar with that term. I think the word "bide" is good, but it's always it's always the "f" on the "where," isn't it? <laughs> fed your bide. Yeah. <laughs> Who? <laughs> cool. Where do you bide? It's in John. Oh, definitely, aye. and I think um, this is maybe the third Mori entry I think we've had. Because we had Nicky, Nicky Johnson was in where, where Mori, I kind of mean what he came up with, he was a belter as well. Um, Nicky, Nicky came out with, well, his old episode was a belter, he came out with some belters all the way through. Um, and and uh, Kyle as well, obviously, Mori. Aye. So that's brilliant, yeah, definite great entry. Thank you very yeah. much for that, Connor. Okay. Okay. So, how are we getting on? And we we went through that question set pretty much. I think I one last much. question. You've spoken okay. about a coach, a coach a bit. Hmm. Want to give your coach a shout out or? Yeah, my my coach is is a godsend because he puts up with my constant stupid whatsapp messages that he has to uh, try and decipher um or ask me why i didn't run as good as i should have but uh, yeah i am being coached currently by neil mcnichol who is based oh, in uh, yeah who's based in fife and yeah, um, yeah neil neil's a great guy he's first time i met him i mean i don't know he might listen to this maybe i won't tell him about it but the first time i met him because I knew he was he was in the forces before. I think he was a Marine or something. Uh-huh. And, and I thought, right, he's going to be like, because again, I grew up in that military background. So it was kind of like, yes, sir, no, sir. So I had everything sort of pre-planned. And uh, and he was like, right, we'll meet in this coffee shop at 11. I was like, yeah, no problem. So obviously quarter to 11, I was sitting there pristine in fashion. And quarter past, 20 past, 25 past, half past 11, I text him. I was like, are you coming down? He's like, aye, aye, aye I'm just getting a shower. Oh, okay. So, all right. The, the military etiquette's worn off, but uh, and he turned up, and he was like, "Oh, I don't actually have any spaces for coaching right now, but I figured I'd just come down and see what you're about." And I was like, "All right, okay. Cheers, Neil." So, yeah, that was my first interaction with Neil, and he just came across. He's he's a fantastic guy, and he's um, uh, all you have to do is look at his record of races. And uh, I remember I remember him telling me over coffee, he's like, "Yeah, I, I think I want to do UTMB, so I might just go do like." 
the West Highland Way or something, just to get the points, you know. I was like, all right, no worries, you know, that kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, yes, no, he's, so- got a, he's got a pretty nifty time at Wakeland, 100 as well. Uh, when I say nifty, I mean nifty. Nifty. He's a very, very accomplished runner, isn't he? Yeah. A very accomplished runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's definitely somebody who's on well on John and I's radar. So, um, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll certainly progress there, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the easiest thing in the world, I guess, when someone tells you to do something, just to do it and try not to, to try not to question it. But it's that thing of, you know, obviously, I want to do my best, at everything I can, and you know, I'm investing, you know, time and money and effort and all this stuff, and and you know, I I looked out Neil. You know, he didn't come to me certainly because I wanted to. You know, Snowden Skyline for me was the was the the prize at the end of the road. So that was what I wanted to focus all my attention on and take in a few things in between. So Snowden Skyline, you know, all going well should still happen in uh, October. And I'm really, uh, yeah, just going through the the motions uh, at the minute, best I can with everything. So yeah, no, it's been. Well, it's we, should a wee, we should put a wee put out a wee open invite for Connor to come back and tell us all about that. Yeah, I want to hear about the Snowden skyline. Definitely. Uh, I we did three peaks a couple of weekends ago. My boss did it for charity. He did fantastic. He raised a lot of money for his his chosen charity. And he thought it was one of those ones I was sitting in the office not paying much attention. He was, I'm gonna do three peaks. And I went, Yeah, do it. He's like, join, join. I went, ah, yeah, how come we are no dramas? <laughs> Thinking it'll be fine. And oh Jesus wet. Like the running was the easy part. I totally underestimated the driving between Yeah, in between must be a nightmare. Oh, my God. So we did we did Ben Nevis, no problem, up and down, started at six in the evening. Came back down. One of the other lads. There was only three of us, and my boss wasn't doing any of the driving. We just split the driving. Me and another chap, and uh, he got us down to Scaffell at two o'clock in the morning. They went up, did Scaffell. I had a wee snooze in the car, uh, and then it was my responsibility to get us from Wasdale Heads down to uh, Penny Pass Car Park. And oh my god, I was drinking rocket fuel. I was like, I was poking myself in the eye. I had my head out the window like a dog going down the m6 i was i was screaming actually guns and roses knocking on heaven's door thinking this is coming out because i'm about to fall asleep and uh yeah these two guys i don't know how they managed to sleep through it all but uh Uh. yeah yeah, and then completed um completed snowden which was the last one but i i i I'm not really a big fan of going up Ben Nevis or the tourist route. Anyway, I've only ever done it twice. But um, yeah, when we got around the corner at Snowden up the pig track and I looked up and thought, oh my Christ, um, that was the most unholy, unpleasant experience. Um, and then topping out hey, onto Snowden, um, we we turned the corner to look up to the summit block and there was a queue. And honestly, like, I, I kind of, you know, I, I talk a good game sometimes and I exaggerate a little bit, but and I've got pictures hand on heart. There was probably about a thousand people on top of Snowden Summit. Wow. Heard the oh. Everest is kind of like that. Just, just something. Uh, I'd rather be on Everest. At least you get a bit more peace, I think. But uh, um, yeah, no, I we, we kind of came out of the shoulder that we call where the railway track is and we looked up and we both looked at Andy and says, yeah, we're sorry, we're not going up there. That's just cute. <laughs> To, to say there was too many people and and so we kind of walked up to the top to where the railway station ends took a wee picture of him with a cairn behind him uh, and then just tanked it back to Clamberis, um because yeah we obviously just didn't want to go near anybody and uh, but he, he did a fantastic effort I think we ran it in all, all together it was like 19 and a half hours um, Jeez, oh. 
Can you believe you've got to this point of the episode and just throw that in at the end? Oh, by the way, <laughs> the three peaks. <laughs> no, I'd sorry, I'd no, no, sorry. I only did, I only did two. Uh, I only did Ben Nevis and Snowden, and the yeah. other, the other chap Ben did Scaffell and 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 Snowden also. But uh, hats off to Ben because his driving, you know, put us in a in a good stead. But the whole time I was telling them about Billy Bland's record, and I think it was early eighties. He did it in eleven and a half hours. And that was in a Morris Minor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, that would have been impressive. I think it was in his mate's like Ford Cortina. I want to say they they, rip, they ripped out the back seats or something. I remember reading. I might be wrong on that, but I remember it was. But it was always that quote. He said, "You know, there's, there's runners who are quicker than me," which is again quite a cheat because I think he got up Scaffell in like 54 minutes. <clears throat> But he's like, you'll never find a, a, a racing driver like my mate. I was like, Jesus. It's all about the team. Pretty much. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Are we are we rounding up, John? I definitely. I came into this episode recording tonight expecting to speak to Connor a wee bit about running, a wee bit about beer. We spoke a lot about them both. I never, I never knew, but I purposely never try to find out too much about Connor's running history, but I've been I've thoroughly enjoyed the chat. You've run a lot more than I anticipated you speaking about. You've you and it was good that you've done things like the Larry Grew too, so I can relate to that. I love the map design on the top out cans. That's something that really resonates with me, whether I'm a drinker or not. I just really, really do like that. I think that we, I'm going to say quirky, but it's not quirky. It's quite a bespoke thing to have that on a, on a can. So it's great. I love the ethos behind top out. I've done a wee bit of reading today about the brewery. I like the ethos of it. Um, I like that it's a small operation. It's in Edinburgh. It's ticking all the boxes for me. But yep. Also, you have as well. And you're put up with Stephen talking about fancy and hills. So, fair play to you. I've really enjoyed the chat. There's plenty of people nodding their head at what Stephen was talking about. And even if there isn't, <laughs> No, thank you very much, Connor, for um, giving up your time to speak to us. And, yeah, tell us about your running. And, yeah, like John said, it's, it's weighted more towards running than, than beer. I, I was kind of hoping it would be that way. But, no, that one was joking. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, the, the, the top out, um, I, I don't know, there's just a certain attraction to supporting local and supporting the smaller businesses just now. And, and that was part of the reason that we kind of reached out to you. But it's been really, really great to, to have the chat with you. So thank you very much. No, no, I'd, uh, thank you very much for the invite. I know it's been slightly delayed. Um, obviously, when we first got in contact, I think the pubs were just starting to open and we were all running around like, uh, you know, with our hairs on fire in the brewery trying to like, shit, we should probably brew some beer. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, I just want to say if, if anyone's listening who is obviously a customer of Top Outs, um, just again, a massive thank you to them because they have actually kept us in business over the last 18 months. You know, um, when, when the pubs shut, we thought, you know, Christ, are we going to survive? Probably much like most other businesses in the in the country and in the world. But, uh, you know, our customers have, have kept us going. It doesn't matter if they've bought, you know, two or three bottles or, you know, a couple of boxes you know it's, it's been massively massively appreciated and and you know we're we're looking to repay that in the future we've got a few things we're working on um i can't say too much on at the minute but um yeah hopefully in the future i can come back and talk to you guys about it uh, and also we are based in edinburgh we also partner with the rerun clothing charity so we do take old 
clothes, running shoes, bum bags, singlets, whatever it might be. Uh, and we donate them to Rerun, who are based down in the Lake District, who are an amazing um, partnership, a husband and wife team down there. Um, and they give all these old bits of clothes a new lease of life. Uh, they try and sell it for pittance uh, if they can. And they also send a lot out to the uh, to the refugee camps uh, around the world just to give people a wee bit of clothes on their back really so yeah so if anybody wants to donate please feel free to pop by the brewery <clears throat> and they can drop off whatever they want big or small it makes a massive difference to people's lives um pick up some beers at the same time have a wee bit of a chat with us and um yeah no it just goes a long way so yeah th thank you to everyone who's bought um, some beers from us it's been massively massively appreciated what was i saying about the ethics what was i saying about the ethics at top out there you go man and that, i take it that's i take it that's dan lawson you're speaking about as well God, he's some man, isn't he? Oh man, he's just a love machine, and I mean that in the best <laughs> sense. He just, he just radiates love and peace, man. He's a great guy. He's a he's, great guy. He's a fantastic. Yeah, we we've nearly filled up. We've got a massive box in the brewery, so we we always put it at the front door for people when they come into the wee shop. So uh, yeah, we're gonna get another package sent down to him soon. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll send him some beers. Um, I should also mention actually we've partnered recently at the start of the year with Scottish Mountain Rescue. Uh, so five p from every pint and can of Gipfel that we sell goes to direct to Scottish Mountain Rescue. So, and um, it's not a lot. It's not going to buy them a helicopter. It's not going to you know uh, change the world. But it's just a it's a little bit. And they they lost a lot of funding through COVID as well. So yeah. If 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 anybody out there is enjoying the hills and they see a wee Mountain Rescue you know donation box, just honestly chuck a quid in because it adds up and it and it makes a massive amount of difference. So yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, bit massive kudos to to all the Mountain Rescue members. Okay, that's a good right. day to wrap up, Stephen. It certainly is. Thank you once again, Connor, and we're going to be sure to catch up with you later in the year about both fear and Snowden Skyline. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. No, perfect. Thanks very much, guys. Much appreciated. No worries.